0: Hi, my name is Rod Cleef. I'm host of the Lifetime Cashflow Podcast, and I want to take a second and talk about my friend Adam Adams and his events. Now, I've been blessed to speak at his events, and I know he's known as one of the top meetup organizers on the planet. But let me just say this about Adam: if he's if he's having an event, go to it. Adam focuses
1: on adding absolutely as much value as possible. He comes with my highest endorsement. It's time for the Creative Real Estate Podcast, your source for out of the box real estate investing strategies. For Brought to you by realbluespruce.com.
0: Welcome back to the Creative Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Adam, A Adams, and today I'm joined with a friend of mine. We actually were uh, having lunch and breakfast earlier today, and now he's in Seattle, and we're doing this interview um, from two different states. Marco Kozlowski, how are you today, sir?
1: I'm fabulous, Adam, A Adam's.
0: I'm doing fantastic. It's really good to have you on the show. I know that out of all of the investors out there that are buying apartments, there's only a couple of you that are able to buy at these steep discounts that you're able to purchase. So that's what I want to talk about on the show today It's just to get some of the steps and and the tricks and the strategies that, that the rest of us don't know and pull it out of you and grab that for for the audience so they can go forth and and buy 15 caps and 14 caps instead of the traditional four caps that it seems like everyone's chasing right now before we get started would you mind just kind of sharing a a little bit of the background that uh that kind of got you this knowledge in the first place so people can understand that and then we'll hop into the questions
1: sure um i'll give you the really short story uh first of all thank you very much for uh have me on. I know this is uh, always an honor. You have some phenomenal people on here, so I'm uh, I'm blessed to, uh, to to be here. And thank you. And if you're listening in, uh, not a lot of pulling needed. I love sharing. I love giving. I love uh, giving tremendous value. So I hope I can I can do that for you today. Um, well, uh, the short story is is uh, I got involved in real estate uh, after my first divorce. Uh, I was married for uh, 12 years. I got married at 19. Had four kids at 24. And actually was married at 18, had my, yeah, married at 18, 19-ish. Uh, four kids at 24, uh, and then uh, marriage didn't work out, sadly. Uh, we, I was a stay-at-home dad, always having financial problems. And uh, Adam, I, I don't know, or anyone else listening, do you know what the number one cause of divorce is? Uh, finance? It, it's marriage. Exactly. <laughs> So, uh, so sadly, I was, uh, you know, I, I had to get divorced. We were having these huge financial fights. It is obviously uh, these spats on, um, you know, on, on money, and we grew apart. And we were great friends. We loved our, fa- we loved our, our kids, but we just couldn't see eye to eye as far as what was the right way to do things uh, responsibly and financially. So we parted ways. And at that time, I actually saw an infomercial on how to buy real estate. Uh, I, I bought the product, I devoured the information, um, I hit the ground running, I did what I could, made a ton of mistakes, I knew it was on the right path, started going to seminars. Uh, in fact, I took seminars on how to attend more seminars. I was a seminar junkie for quite some time. But I always, uh, always had the, uh, the, the strategy to uh, only stay until I learned five things, and I wouldn't go to another seminar until I learned them and applied them, and then I would do the next training, because um, knowledge without application is a tragedy. So I, I really uh, worked hard at mastering my craft as as not an investor but as a buyer. I consider myself more as a buyer than an investor, and I just want to buy as much uh, cash flow as possible. So I'm actually in the cash flow business versus the, the real estate business. Now you had said earlier that I buy 15 caps, which I do, um, and those are created; they're not found. So if you're you know stumbling along, do do do, and you don't, you don't trip on a 15 cap. Uh, and break your ankle. It doesn't work that way. We actually take uh, properties that are in uh, not prime areas. Obviously, you're not going to find a 15 cap in New York or Chicago or in Salt Lake City or, you know, those, those uh, major areas. But we're going to go to the outlying areas a little bit where um, a seller might be asking for a 10 cap or a nine cap uh, and uh, make uh, I, I've gotten really good at making very low offers without insulting them at all. It's, there's a very specific strategy to that that um, is a lot easier for me to actually show you in person. And uh, you've invited me to, uh, to the summit that's coming up and I'd love to be able to do uh, you know, share that strategy with, with uh, those that do attend. Um, and it's, it's basically just making very low offers and a lot of them. Um, we probably do over a hundred offers an hour. Uh, and I know that sounds like a, you know, almost impossible, but they're just an email with a soft offer. It's not a formal in writing, it's not an LOI. Because an LOI is, for those of you that don't know what an LOI is, I'm assuming everyone does, but it's a letter of intent. It's not really binding anyway, so an email is just as good as far as I'm concerned, um, at least in in my head. Um, We might differ on opinion on that, but uh, I can send out an LOI with a a property that's on the market for three million and say, hey, I'll give you two million, I'll give you $500,000 down and I'll close in 10 days. They're probably not going to like the you know the the two million dollar offer, but they're definitely going to like the five hundred thousand dollars down, and for sure they're going to like the ten days. So depending on how people respond, I have processes in place. Um, you know if they say no like forcefully or n- never going to happen, any response is actually a good response. Uh, I, I know so many people that get into the game and they want their offer to be accepted. And my belief is if you make an offer, it's accepted. You've offered too much. Um, you're overpaying. Uh, we insist. <laughs> In, our, in, my, in, in my processes that you have to start with a no. In fact, uh, I, I, uh, we talked about this a little bit uh, earlier. I was in martial arts for a long time and when two people get together to start martial arts, one person bows, the other person bows and then they can go at it Well, the no is the bow. And if you understand that and you both get no and then understand how to uh, play in that and dance in that, it's a lot of fun. And uh, you can really get some extremely phenomenal deals from people that need to sell quickly. And I liken this to, you know, someone that has, you know, let's say I I go to a pawn shop and I, you know, this is, let's say this is solid gold and I need the money tomorrow and this belonged to Elvis, you know, I don't know, just, um, this is a wine opener, just first thing, I'm in a hotel room right now. And this is a wine opener that Elvis had and it's, you know, it's solid gold and, you know, Elvis, you know, did whatever he did with this and uh, it's been in my family forever and I need money like tomorrow, there's an emergency. If I go to a pawn shop and I ask them to give me money for this, they're going to look at the value or the perceived value and they're going to give me cash based on the value. They they won't care about, uh, they won't care about my credit. They're not going to care about my where I'm from because I'm Canadian. Uh, I don't need a social security number in order to get uh, borrow money on this asset. They're going to give me money for this and a certain amount, whatever that is. And they're going to give me a loan. And if I pay them back with interest, I get this back. Well, there's the same thing in the commercial space. It's called asset-based lending. And because I'm Canadian, because I had to get really creative, because I didn't have credit, no social, Um, you know, there are over 3,000 banks in the United States that are major. And then you have almost 5,000 banks that are just B banks. And then you have probably close to 100,000 registered private lenders, if not more. Um, A lot of those lenders are okay with lending money up to a certain percentage on the value of the asset at the purchase price. Now, value of asset is a huge distinction from purchase price, because most people think, well, if I buy a property, I need to put 20% down, 30% down. And that's, that's true if you're buying at retail. And if I'm buying below retail, which is in fact closer to wholesale or even below wholesale, um, we actually don't need to bring a whole lot of cash to the table. So I've really created strategies to find assets at discounts because of the five Ds. Those are the basics, which we can get into in a second. And how to merge a discount with Buying, uh, getting an asset with um, with uh, with some equity, where we can get um, an asset-based loan, where I don't have to bring a lot of cash to the table. And if I do have to bring cash, it doesn't have to be my cash. I can actually borrow that out and cut people into the deal. And I don't want to get too complex, but um, the bottom line is that I'm going to be paying a higher interest on the purchase. I'm going to, as you do, we increase the uh, you know the the uh, you know the income, we decrease the expenses, uh, and we don't need to do a lot. And that spread is where our, our cash is going to be when we refinance. So my, my basic process is buy the cheapest that we can, uh, optimize it, refinance it. And e- whenever we refinance, um, again, if, if you happen to come to the summit, I'll show you some of these, these properties that we, we, uh, we did. I have a couple examples where we pulled out seven-figure checks on these refinances uh, in a very short period of time. And I say that, I say you know, within a two-and-a-half-year period. So, you know, we buy them, we optimize them. And when we refinance the property, um, for example, let's say we bought it for, uh, the income is 150 grand a year. Uh, we bought it for a million. So it's a 15 cap. Let's use that as an example. Uh, we increase the income. We decrease the expenses. And let's say we get to $170,000 a year of, of income. Uh, the thing is worth now, let's call it 1.7 million. Let's say it's a 10 cap. Uh, and we, we refinance and we get 1.2 out. So I pay off my higher uh, interest loans, which are, yes, they're higher interest. But as soon as, you know, I can pay them off whenever I want. I don't have to do a credit check and it's asset-based. So my, I, if for some reasons, this deal goes sideways. I don't have anything to lose. And because I bought it so cheap, I don't, I don't need to bring a lot of cash to the table, if any. In fact, a lot of these deals that we do, the closing costs are even roped in. Because these lenders actually, if you were to not pay them, they get this one they get a they get a 15 cap. So they're lending the money instead of lending the money at 9%, now they're getting 15% and it's exactly what they you know they prefer to get 15% revenue and the asset than just you know a lien on this thing for 10%. So or nine percent or you know whatever the percentage is. I'm gonna use the, the largest number because it's the scariest and it makes sense math wise. So if this makes any sense, so we bought it at a million uh we're paying you know a hundred thousand dollars a year in interest. Um uh, it has a hundred and fifty thousand dollar NOI. So the day we buy it, we're still making fifty grand a year, right? And it's all ours because we're not sharing this with anyone. So it's gets fifty grand in the national bank, increasing the, the um, you know the the income, decreasing the expenses. And we're looking for very specific properties that have that opportunity. We're not looking for war zones where you need to pack your nine in order to go collect the rent. In fact, we don't collect the rent. But if my daughter can't, uh, my, my daughter. Can't go collect rent at one o'clock in the morning. We're not going to buy the property. That's kind of our litmus test on that. We don't do any A assets, you know, the super high-end ones, because there's no, there's a lot, there's no risk, there's no risk in that. Very stable, so the, the returns are very low. We like B, C properties that um, have the better returns. Anyway, so it, it made, you know, it was making 150. We brought it up to 170,000 a year just by doing a few things, tweaks. Which Adam, you know, if you've been following Adam, you probably know what that is. Anyway. Uh, It's now worth 1.7. We refinance for 1.2. We owe a million, so we're paying off the million. We're left with $200,000. And if you're familiar with the IRS tax code, any refinance cash is tax-free. It's tax-deferred until you sell it, but we never sell. And that's $200,000 in your pocket, hip national bank, that you can go to Vegas and bet it on Black. No, just kidding. You can actually reinvest that. Or, um, you know, Adam, you're a big proponent of buying properties that are over $100,000. I'm sorry, over 100 units. Um, obviously worth more than a hundred grand. Um, and you know, you do a couple of those and a couple of refines. So if you're starting from zero where you don't have this nest egg of a few hundred thousand, um, you can actually build that. And with smaller assets, and I know that's kind of a pain in the ass in your processes, but if you combine sort of what I'm doing and what you're doing, um, it makes sense because you don't need a lot of cash. In fact, you don't need any, if you do it right, you're pulling out money tax free because again, we don't sell. Um, you, and 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 then you're still getting the cash flow. So we're replacing a 10% interest rate with a 5% interest rate. I don't want to get too too weird on the numbers here, but the numbers would be around $70,000 a year on the uh, on the debt service over a 30-year AM or 25 25 to 30-year, depending on what we can get. Under 5% interest, would be 70 75,000 a year in in debt service. We're making 170 minus the 70 for the debt service. You're left with $95,000 passive income forever. And your, so if you want to save up for the next, every three years, you have another 300 grand to go do a syndication deal. Right. So that property is just keeping your, your, the, 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 the well running with cash or you can live on it or you can, you know, you know, do whatever you want to do with it. But, um, what are,
0: what are the five D's that you mentioned briefly? What are those five D's?
1: So five D's are a, um, what, what I had to go through twice, sadly, uh, is divorce. Uh, divorce is one. Um, if you've ever been divorced, you know it's expensive. And the the group that wins the most is usually the lawyers. And if you have two people that are uh, reasonable, they want to sell their assets quickly to get it over quickly because a draw out not divorce doesn't suit anybody. So you know they're willing to sell at a discount if you make the right offer and the right kind of offer. In fact, There was a divorce situation. We bought a uh, 76 unit in uh, Knoxville, Tennessee, where they had an existing debt on a property and they were getting divorced and they didn't know how to split the equity of the asset. And if they had uh, cashed out of it, they'd actually have a higher tax bracket. So they'd pay a lot of taxes on that cash. So I just suggested that we take over their debt, which you can do in commercial property if you know how, which of course, that's one of the strategies that we use. And we offered to um, defer their equity position for two years till they figured out their tax. Um, And I offered to do it at um, actually no interest and they they didn't like that. But what we did agree on is 3.5% second on the property to protect their interest with three point five interest payments deferred for two years. So we took over their debt, had no money down whatsoever, just took it over. And then they shared the 300,000, I was 300,000 each, uh, a few, uh, a couple of years later. So that was a kind of interesting deal, uh, in- integrating tax strategy with, um, with knowledge of you know what to do and how to help people. Because that's ultimately what we're trying to do is help people get out of a situation. They're trying to get out of an asset. They want cash, and we're looking for cash flow. Because if you if you think about it, we're looking for cash flow, right? We're we're looking for something where we can make cash flow so we can take care of our family, uh, and, and put clothes on the kids, gas in the car, and maybe take you know a 365 day vacation here and there. So you know we want to we want to have as much freedom as we can, and cash goes away, but cash flow doesn't. So if someone has cash flow, sometimes they want cash. A pawn shop is looking for is looking to give out cash because they want cash flow. Uh, when we're buying we're looking for cash flow, but the seller's looking for cash so there's you're on two sides of those of those equations so anyway, that's the first d uh, The second D is displacement. Uh, my property is in New York and I'm moving over to Chicago or I'm going to Chicago, I moving to Florida. Um, I just got remarried, and my my new spouse doesn't want anything to do with this property because I'm relocating. So relocation or displacement is the second D. Uh, next is debt. Uh, the, the U.S. has 94% of the lawsuits on, in the world. 94%. And if someone's getting sued, they want to settle. Uh, it's sometimes much cheaper to settle. And if you have an asset, uh, you can sell off quickly to settle. You're actually going to save a lot of money. You can always buy more assets later. So. We buy a lot of assets from pending lawsuits, settlements, uh, people that have high debt, they're going into foreclosure, they've mismanaged their property. Um, that's also a very, uh, very lucrative um, uh, D for us. Uh, death is another one. Uh, the baby boomers have the highest um, asset base in, in the U.S. They're very, very wealthy. Uh, well, many of them are. They have, they, they're controlling a lot of the, uh, the assets in the world. And if they're selling an asset, they usually have more than one. And, and many times they don't want to pass on their assets to their kids. Their kids aren't interested. They're doing something else. Maybe they're deadbeats and they're just playing video games all day long. And, you know, I don't want to be crude, but I had, you know, when, one of my, um, one, of, one of these sellers say, listen, I have, you know, 400 units and I don't want to give it to my kids because the second I die, they're going to sell it for pennies on the dollar and they're going to be in Vegas with hookers and blow. Like, I don't want to do that to my kids. So I would much rather give it to you who can take care of my tenants. I've known these people for 20, 30 years, and I'll give you a discount. Just promise you're not going to sell it for, you know, displace these people because I have relationships with them. And that's always nice. And we actually rename the park in their name or do something where, you know, we immortalize the, either the mobile home park or the the, uh, the, the apartment building, or, you know, we, we, we try to take care of the sellers. So they feel proud that they own this for a period of time. So a lot of cool things you can do there, uh, which is, which is death. That's death. So we've got divorce, uh, we've got um, displacement, we've got debt, and we've got death. Debt and death are not the same. I know many of you might be in so much debt, you wish you were dead, but that's not the same thing. And then the last but not least is, uh, is disease. Um, sadly, uh, you know, disease is expensive. You get cancer, uh, if you don't have insurance, it can cost millions. Uh, and you know, it's, we're not, we're, 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 the population is getting older and sicker and you combine those things and you know if, if you need 100,000 dollars tomorrow for an operation or a million dollars tomorrow for an operation or something that's going to save your life do you want to make 150,000 dollars a year for the next you know forever because you have an asset that makes 150,000 dollars a year or do you want a million dollars in the next 30 days the answer is a million bucks in the next 30 days could i wait 90 days you know 120 days or 6 months to get top dollar absolutely but there's value to time as well and, you know, it's always being at the right place at the right time. Now, whenever I speak, just one second, a lot of people hear these things and go, man, you're taking advantage of people. You know, you're, 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 you're a predator. Well, think about this. If I'm getting divorced and I want my, you know, my, my spouse out of my life as quickly as possible, isn't it nice that I can actually get a fair, a fair number? Because we agree on it. They sign off on it. They're happy with it. Or I'm getting a, 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 I need an operation. And you actually do what you say you're going to do. Because if you don't buy it at the right price, someone else will. So I'd rather be in the position where I know I can take care of them with integrity and actually buy it because there's so many people out there that actually will just tie it up and never buy it, never, because they're, you know, they're wholesaling it. They're not actually intending to buy it. And if you have access to the cash and know what you can buy and actually keep your promise, those people refer you to other people, which is how we get most of our deals is the deal behind the deal where we do the deal. We've done it so well. They go, I have my, my friend, Charlie, who has two properties that he wants to sell. He won't do it now, but he'll do it next time. And we get all sorts of referrals because we, teach, we we treat people with, with respect, integrity, and they know it's just about numbers. We're not bottom feeders. We just want to give them the right price at the right time and do it quick.
0: I love that. And one thing that I <clears throat> like trying to think about you and what you've been able to accomplish recently and over the past 20 years um, that is that is unique and kind of stands out from other people. One of the big ones that's pretty obvious is that you're making 100 deals per hour. Um, never heard anyone doing that. Before we get into the final five and talk about that part, is there something else that you know you do completely differently than anyone else who's trying to buy commercial assets today um, yeah, that so has do- really set you apart?
1: I think making as many offers as possible through email. Um, I'm not going to complicate things. Um, I, I, I make offers with the intent of a no, which is also very different. Most people don't do that. I also don't do, do due diligence on a property until it's under contract, which is also a, rather unique because if you're doing, if if you and I are going after the same property and while you're doing, while you're analyzing it, the only way to say it is you're analyzing it. I'm making an offer and then I'll tie it up, and by the time I'm, I, I've tied it up, you might want it, but I already got it under contract, so you're out of luck. So I move very quickly. Um, if the numbers make sense, we'll check it, and the due diligence process is for due diligence. That's the whole point of due diligence, and I don't understand. Uh, I understand some, and I know that our business models are, 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 might differ from that. But you know, when you're buying a 200, 300 unit property, you don't also wanna mislead the seller and you know what you can do and can't do and your offers are based on what we can do not necessarily what the asking price is. So I understand that our models are different. But um, at, uh, when, uh, when we're dealing with 50 units or hotels or because I buy a lot of hotels, I'm in the hotel space. We bought, you know, I had no hotels two years ago and we're, we just closed on our 26th hotel a couple of days ago and we have three other closings next week. We're buying hotels left and right. And some of these hotels have like, 26% cap rates when we're, when we're done with them. Um, if you know how to run the business, you can make a shit ton of money. Pardon my French, but um, yeah. So, so uh, we, we make offers uh, a ton of offers. We do our due diligence later and uh, we don't use our own money. Um, I don't, I don't use my own money. Uh, I pay very high interest. I pay uh, over 10% for a short period of time. And I also cut the investor back in on an equity position after the refinance. So our investors get paid 10% in return. They get a percentage of the refinance money because they helped us buy the property and they get residual income after we've paid, we've paid them back. So usually you pay them the deals done, you sold it, or you refinanced it. They get their cash back. The deal's over for them. No, we want to keep paying them. And the reason is we want them coming back. And most investors, you know, can do two, three, four deals on the same amount of money and get paid passive income and on on the same money that they just got back over and over again. They just keep playing and, you know, it's like blackjack and you're winning every time. So it's, it's kind of cool.
0: I think it's interesting what you said about doing your due diligence after because for, for us in the single family space, we were doing the same thing. And in the beginning of it, this was several years ago, but when we, when we started doing that, people would just freak out. People would get, uh, upset and scared for us. They're like, what you put an offer in and you haven't even seen the property. It's like, no, don't worry. The, the documents, the paperwork's going to allow us to, to hop in there and to, and to look at the property. We'll have plenty of time. And they're like, well, doesn't that do this? Well, doesn't that do this? And I said, look, just like you said, Marco, uh, if you, if you, wait and do two weeks of due diligence on the physical property before you have any clue what's going on with the financial, uh, someone else is going to lock it up. And that's probably going to be you.
1: <laughs> okay. we're, we, we're very aggressive. Also, something different is to, to uh, noteworthy is we have our own contracts. Um, and it's a standard contract to buy uh, commercial real estate uh, or apartments or hotels or mobile home parks or assisted living facilities. We have, uh, we have different contracts that do different things. But our contracts are very suited to protecting us. A lot of agent contracts actually only protect the agent and the seller. And our contracts have some uh, clauses in it that really protect us when we're buying and give us the things that, and make sure that we get what we need without us going out of contract, keeping the seller honest. I can't tell you how many times we put a property under contract. They don't give us the due diligence items that we need. And we're going to fall out of the contract because they've sold it to somebody else for a higher price. They're just shopping it around. And that's a strategy. I'm not saying that every seller does this, but I'm sure you've come across this as well, where we tie it up. They don't give us what we need, knowing that they're just, they're just going to sell it to someone else. So our contracts don't even allow them to do that. So our due diligence actually starts after we've received every piece of information that we've already agreed on in advance. So if we asked for, you know, ABC and they give us AB and half of C and it takes them six weeks to give us the rest of C, we're still in contract during that six weeks and our due diligence hasn't started yet. So we can actually start our due diligence while they're getting all the paperwork and we could run it for longer, but you know, obviously we want the cash flow as quickly as possible. So we're trying to close faster because we want the cash flow quicker, but we're not gonna get out of contract They're not gonna pull a weasel clause on us and say, okay, you're out of time, see ya. So we're in control from the very beginning to the very end. Um, which is very, very useful. And it's empowering because you don't have to get bullied by the agent saying, hurry up, hurry up, hurry up, or in control every step of the way, which is very important. Thanks for
0: going into that. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back with a final five. Have you ever looked in the mirror and thought you'd be further along financially by now? If so, you're not alone. Many people find themselves wanting to ditch their nine to five, wishing they had more time with their family, What most people want is to simply live the life that they choose and with plenty of money to do so. The good news is you can live an abundant life through apartment investing. Mark and Tamil Kenny with Think Multifamily help you take back the time and freedom so that you can live free from the stresses that burden so many. Through multifamily investing, they teach you how to set your family up for a lifetime of true success and fulfillment. They have helped hundreds of people just like you. Patrick, for example, who since working with Think Multifamily has purchased over 900 units with another 850 under contract. And at 27 years old, was able to quit his demanding job in corporate America. Regardless of your age or profession, Think Multifamily can help you create the life of your dreams. As hosts of the new Think Multifamily podcast, Mark and Tamil will walk you through the journey step-by-step to make sure you are completely set up for success. Through this interview-style podcast, you will gain a proven strategic apartment investing system and hear stories from successful investors, all to help you be light years ahead of those who try to do it alone subscribe to the Think Multifamily podcast today at thinkmultifamily.com forward slash podcast all right we are back Mr. Marco what is the most creative deal that you've ever done
1: um that takeovers are my specialty um I've taken over I, I'd say there's more than one we've taken over uh uh the business, so the financing can stay in, in place. We've done wraparounds. Um, you know, the, the deal that I mentioned earlier with the, um, the divorce couple and, and giving their equity later so they could save money on taxes. Um, I had a conversation with one gentleman that was doing a 1031 uh, and they, could, they were having an issue with uh, identifying something that was a higher return. So we actually offered them to hold a mortgage on the property um, so they would make a higher return. Uh, and we worked it out, um, where, you know, they, they sold a, a, a property that was actually a, a 14 cap but and they ended up getting a 10% return. So I don't understand why they did it, but they did it. So people do things for weird reasons, but, um, so yeah, so we're just creative. We figure out what people want, go out and give it to them. And it doesn't always have to be with bank, uh, financing. It can be done with the existing, um, equity that's there and have them be the bank.
0: I definitely want to touch on what you just said, cause that's, that's just brilliant. That's gold. That's something that I believe 90% of of investors do not understand is that what this business is about, what this whole podcast is about on creative real estate. It's not, can you do a lease option or a subject to it's how can you see the problem and create an opportunity, solve, solve the problem, fix the problem, go in and, find some type of solution that's literally a win-win that's going to help them, you know, get through their divorce, their uh, disease, their death, their debt, or what's the displacement. Um, so very, very, very smart. If you're listening and, and you want to get anything at all out of this podcast, it literally is when you see a problem, you need to be the problem solver. The biggest paychecks in the world go to problem solvers. And that's why Marco's doing so well in this business. Marco, what's a book you recommend?
1: Um, obviously, Rich Dad Poor Dad is a good one. Um, you know, I like the basics. Uh, you know, Napoleon Hill's uh, uh, books are always good. Um, something that we talked about today, the subtle art art of not giving an F. Um, I've read that a few times. Actually, pretty good. Um, it, it allows you to have a really good posturing as well when you're communicating, uh, and just be honest and. Uh, integrous and not worry about you know, um, what could or can happen and just sticking to really the basics. I think it's a, it's a good foundation read. If you haven't read that yet, I highly recommend
0: it. Where were you five years ago? If you, if you could, this is my favorite question on the podcast, just paint us a picture of what it looked like in your life. What were you dealing with? What were you going through? What were, what were you scared of uh, five years ago?
1: Well, I was homeless 10 years ago and I was rebuilding. I got through a really nasty divorce. Uh, Only because I had to get divorced because my spouse, uh, my second spouse decided to take every penny I had and move to South America before we actually got divorced. It wasn't court mandated. She just did it. Um, And that was really hard. So I had to start over from scratch. But it was actually the best experience I've had. If I look back, Um, I was kind of a jerk. And uh, I realized that relationships are the best currency. It's not money. And I went from how much can I take to how much can I give? And that completely shifted my business in so many ways. And obviously I want to give as much as possible. I tied back to many multiple charities that that I believe in. Um, and when you make a lot of money, it's really easy to give to, you know to to take care of people. And I was brought up in an, an environment where money was actually an evil thing. It was bad. Only crooks made money and i had that in my head for a very long time because i'm from um, french canada where you know people that do make a lot of money generally that's the attitude they have and i'm i'm, not, I'm painting a broad picture obviously not everyone's that way but um yeah so i had to a lot of reprogram, re, repro reprogramming to get done and it's been great and you know um and it's it's fun because the more you give you actually don't even realize that you're getting more and i'm i'm just loving what i'm doing now because i i actually am blessed that i could retire we have went over 7,000 units this year. Um, we do 1,500 units a year, all over, you know, 13, 14, 15 caps. Um, so we're very high cap rated properties. And again, we're just, you know, we're making a small spread at first and refinancing we're making bigger. So we're, make, we're not making a lot in the front and making more money uh, in the back. It's more of a long-term play, but it's, it's a lot of fun. And it's a lot of fun to help people too. And um, a lot of people ask, why am I still doing this? You know, if I have that much money every month coming in, why? Well, what am I gonna do, sit at home all day and drink? you know, um, self-sabotage myself. Uh, no, yeah, I want to contribute. I want to give back. I want to be able to help people that want to, uh, that really want to learn things and are committed to putting in, um, time, money and uh, time and money. Um, as far as the education side goes. Um, love
0: that. It ties me into the next part of this question. Just if you could just kind of explain where do you see yourself being in five years from today?
1: Probably the same place. I know this is probably a dumb response, but I'm really loving what I'm doing right now. Um, I, I travel, I get to help people. I, I, I'm interacting with people that are l- struggling and within two or three years are retired. You know, they're, they're, they've quit their government jobs or their, their cushy jobs or they're, they're working for themselves. You know, they're work, you know, they're their own boss, but their boss is an asshole. They have to do everything in their whole business all the time and they have no time. So I, I really enjoy seeing the growth of people creating something and being able to step back and do the things they really are passionate about. It sounds like
0: you, oh, sorry to, sorry to interrupt you. No, it sounds like, it sounds like you really um, focus right now on contribution and giving back and, and helping other people get to where you are and you get a lot of value out of that. I know when we were at lunch today, you also talked about tithing um, and some other things that you focus on as well. Um, and so this ties really well into my next question. Uh, this second to the last penultimate question where, um, what, in what way do you give back? What's your focus there?
1: Well, I have, uh, it's really hard to give away to one charity or one, you know, one organization. So every deal I do, uh, and I actually empower people to do this. Every time you do a deal, pick an organization or charity and give back 10%. Uh, and you could, it, if you do that, then you do your one deal for yourself, the next deal for yourself, the third deal, give it all to charity, all of it, um, whatever you want to do, because there's there's more deals. In fact, there are a lot of opportunities out there. Uh, anyone that says there are no deals out there, I scratch my head because we're we're turning them away. Um, again, it's just a matter of how you, you market and understanding that and, and following through with that. Um, but just give back as much as you can uh, to as many people as you can. I, I've said this to you earlier today, I, You know. I can't take the the money that I make with me, and I don't want to necessarily just give it to my kids because they won't appreciate it. Because Anything that's given to someone, they don't appreciate. You have to work for something in order to appreciate it. Um, You know, I want a million people at my funeral, you know, and all of you are invited. Come on in, you know, be a party, be fun. And uh, I just, uh, you know, I, I don't think money is the most important thing that people are focused on. And I know that people bought into the lie that time is money. Relationships are much more important because with good relationships, you can actually have all the money that you need.
0: Um, and uh, I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. So, um, well, number one for the listener, Mark will be on stage at the raising money summit. So this will air just before the raising money summit. So if you haven't gotten your tickets yet, just go to raisingmoneysummit.com. and my podcast listeners, they get a giant discount to the raising money summit. So you'll put in the word podcast. That'll give you a discount. And you can come see Marco as well as 25 of our other incredible presenters that are going to teach you step-by-step how you can raise more money with less effort, less time, systemize your efforts so that you don't have to work so hard raising that equity. So I hope you'll accept my invitation to attend the Raising Money Summit this year on October 3rd, 4th, and 5th. And we'll have another one, but it's a whole year away. Uh, So October 1st, 2nd, and 3rd of 2020. Um, Definitely looking forward to both events. Grateful to have you uh, to be there on day uh, three on Saturday, um, speaking to us over lunch and sharing these strategies in more detail. So thank you, Marco. And before we uh, let you go, would you share with the listener, the best way to find you what's the single best way that they can find you and re- get a hold of you
1: um do you want me to give an email address uh, where, yeah or, that's that's so, perfect a website or an email yeah if you want to email me at marco at with that's m a r c o m a r c o at marco m a r c o Kozlowski. that's a good irish name k o z is in zebra l o w s k i dot com so marco koslowski dot com so m a r c o at m a r c o K-O-Z-L-O-W-S-K-I.com. If
0: you're dyslexic like me, listener, I just put that in the show notes just right now. So all you have to do right now is you scroll down and you can get all those awesome letters uh, and email him easily. You were about to say another way they could
1: reach you? No, no, I was just going to say, and if you uh, come to the summit, which I know you're absolutely going to love, I'm going to show you how to buy assets using none of your own money, using asset-based lenders. Uh, it's a lot easier than you think it is and allow you to get the cash that you need in order to buy the bigger units, um, that you're helping them out with and, uh, you know, just crush it the way you're doing it. Uh, I want to add to, uh, just understand that I don't want you to go off of what Adam is, 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 is uh, preaching, uh, and teaching and empowering you with. I want to really add to that and, uh, just be a different kind of gas that you can add to your business so you can really propel yourself and get those big fat units uh, and make some big fat checks.
0: I'm really grateful for you spending your time from your hotel room today to, to join us on the podcast and to take your 20 years of, of knowledge, your ups, your downs, your experiences, your sales strategies, uh, and just to give it, just give it away to the listener. I appreciate it a lot. So thank you. Pleasure. I'm going to let you go. But until next time, my friend, keep thinking outside that box. Thanks. There's no box. <laughs> There's no box. I
1: am right, now. I'm outside the box. Hey, it's DJ. And I want to thank you for being a loyal listener. We're glad you keep listening to each episode. And I want to ask you to please take a minute to give us a five-star review. And remember, we are not attorneys or CPAs. This is just the stuff you bring to your advisors.